Work and life harmony. It's not only about work-life balance. I think that's what everybody thinks when I mention that. It's part of it, but it's also about harmony within yourself, harmony in your career, and doing the things that you love. And then it's also about creating harmony in the workplace between coworkers and leaders and leaders being able to create harmony. And ultimately, it's about creating harmony that goes out into the world. And we are on a series, part two, of what's going on the great resignation and we had a really interesting um, conversation last time about uh, really setting the context in the surge of resignations and the labor shortage and really talking about different headlines that are out there and I spoke to someone from the unemployment agency in Michigan and a career coach and also a recruiter and so if you missed that one you want to go back and Check that one out. In part two, I'm going to share an interview that is by someone, maybe just like you, who was impacted by the pandemic in her profession and her career. And she's going to tell you her story and her journey. And it was important to me to talk to someone who really was living it. Her situation's a bit different. You'll hear some different Uh, things that will really debunk a lot of the myths that's associated with, you know, people taking advantage of unemployment or being on unemployment for too long. You're going to hear her journey is quite unique. However, I believe that what was in her heart and what was in her mind is very similar to, to many of us. And most importantly, it really revealed to me my big aha, my big aha moment. Yeah, how are you? Hi, hi, Lorena. Good. Um, thanks for your determination to uh, get here. Yes, yeah. definitely, definitely. So yeah, so we're Facebook friends. Is that how yes. you saw the post? Mm-hmm. You've gone through a career transition related mm-hmm. to the pandemic. I want to talk to mm-hmm. you. And right, nice. And you're yes. from Detroit. It was in your story. Yes. Mm-hmm. What first went through your head? <laughs> I was happy because that meant that it wasn't just me. (laughs) I'm not the only one out here being crazy. So that was kind of validating. Like, and and, and my first thought was, she's not going to have time to talk to me, you know? And I'm just like, okay, I kind of know different little things that have popped on my timeline. So I know she's serious, you know? I want to hear more about coaching um, if we have time at the end. Yeah, of course. I've been told I'm a good candidate. I appreciate that. And it is a feeling of not being alone. This topic about the labor shortage and what people are labeling as the great resignation. I'd love to talk to you about your pre-pandemic work life and then your, let's call it the middle, you know, right, the present pandemic Mm -hmm. uh, life and then what you hope for the future. And really what was going on. And I loved when you wrote me your email, you said this is a terrifying, I think you used the word terrifying experience. (laughs) It is and thrilling, but it definitely is. I, um, my mom was a teacher too. 
And although she didn't want me to become a teacher, I did. Um, and I just fell in love with it in college from tutoring kids in the neighborhood. And um, so I was really on track to just teach until retirement. Like I didn't, I wanted to do other things, but they didn't interfere with my teaching. So my yoga business and, you know, meditation and different things that I do, nutritional coaching, things like that. None of that interfered with my teaching. And I liked it because I didn't have to create a new way to eat. I didn't, I knew my check was coming every two weeks. I liked that about teaching, you know? Um, and so it was just, like I told you, being thrown off with the whole world being different that made me change. But I, I almost think when I was thinking about it, maybe I started changing before this because fast forward to my daughter being high school ready, we moved to Atlanta, went to an international school and that kicked me back into, I have wanted to teach internationally. I kind of stuffed it down. Um, and so coming into that international community, then I started meeting adults at all parts of their life who had taught internationally. Mm. So it was a great motivator because people were like, you're not so old, girl, yeah. And, and you got options. And so for me, I think maybe six years prior, four years prior to me taking the post in Egypt, um, it was in my head that I needed to see education done differently. I wasn't going to let my, the experiences I'd had in public, private, and international schools be the only thing of my career. Because at each level, I was like, okay, I like this. I want to keep this and take it to mm -hmm. something higher. I want to take this to something higher. So I think that that was the first time in my life where I was like, you know what, you can leave your job. You're going to be all right. You can leave mm -hmm. your job and go to a new job or you can leave your job and figure it out. Like you see people who aren't, you know, uh, reckless <laughs> doing this, mm -hmm. you know? So I think that was really the beginning. Um, and then we're becoming we change hardy. We can call it yes, that. Becoming be, yes, wow. absolutely. So let me back um, up a little bit just to make sure we can mm -hmm. stay with you. So you were teaching in public and private schools in Detroit. You moved to Atlanta and now your eyes are opening up and you end up going to Egypt to teach. And yeah. you were in Egypt teaching when the pandemic years. hit. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes, and I probably would have been there longer because I was really on a three-year plan. Okay. Um, so I just so tell us about then, how it impacted you with the pandemic in Egypt. I mean, it we know it's global, but those of us that are in America, we only think of it from our perspective. Um, oh. So tell us how it was to be in Egypt and be impacted by the pandemic, and then have your loved ones at home in Detroit or probably other places being impacted. Oh. What was that like? Yeah. It was, it was crazy because a, a few things happened. Our schools are writing to us on break. Like school is not, we're trying to put things in place so that when the break ends, we have something concrete to tell families. So that's what started happening. And I was at a Canadian school. So um, they were the first to offer embassy flights. And then the U.S. started doing it too. Um, so some of my colleagues left and had to teach six hours off the time frame, you know, and some of us stayed, but we were all locked down. Um, groceries were still being delivered, um, okay. which is normal in Cairo. Like they come to your house oh, to collect okay. your electric bill, 
You know what I'm saying? Oh, they come to your wow. house for to get your phone bill, your Wi-Fi, you mm-hmm. know, everything is still done by people. Um, so restaurants started closing, but grocery stores remained open and they just delivered more and more and more and more and more. So that was basically it. It was a complete lockdown. Um, about three weeks in, people started walking in the community, just in the same community so that no one would be harassed by the police. So that was kind of the way that people were handling it. Everybody was keeping distant and wearing masks, but Mm -hmm. they were coming out of the house to walk. Mm -hmm. Um, And so locals were being thrown straight into jail for being on the street, which was why the walking in groups became important in socially distant groups. So people were doing different things to try to deal with the pandemic, but at the same time, schools had to buy Zoom platforms, figure out how to get all the kids on. Mm. You know, parents are trying to figure out, these kids got phones, but we got two computers and five children. So did you voluntarily quit your job or did you get furloughed? Like what happened? Um, Yes, I let my contract expire Mm -hmm. and I decided not to renew it. So I What was your thought process um, with that? um, I didn't think I could live like that in curfew another year by myself that far from home. Um, My cousin who was the matriarch of our family made her transition that April. Due to COVID? And no, not due to Mm -hmm. COVID. Some kidney thing, I guess it had happened once before, but he, his feeling was always that they just didn't have the manpower to deal with non-COVID people. Mm -hmm. Everybody was being pulled to deal with COVID people. Um, And my cousin was in her 70s, so, I mean, I believe the official word was natural causes, but he always felt like the neglect was because COVID blew up. All of those things kind of uh, just made me know I wasn't, I wasn't enjoying my freedom like I had been previously. Mm -hmm. Um, And and just working like that. What did you do? Um, I eventually went back to Atlanta um, and I stayed in Atlanta until October, back and forth between Atlanta and New Orleans, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. back and forth between Atlanta and New Orleans. And I just said, I was going to do all the things I never could do because they usually happen during the school year. When I took the sabbatical, the first thing I did was um, go to Bill Cobb houses. <laughs> so I moved to the Azores and um, I had been following Claudine Desiree for a long time. And she's like one of the premier, she's the premier woman in Cobb building, as a matter of mm-hmm. fact. Um, and so when I reached out to her, we had a lot in common. Like her sons are a little older than my daughter, but she's an adult woman who left a regular job to build cob houses. And so I spent uh, about six weeks there building and learning. And, you know, she said, she calls it cob therapy because she's like, girl, every bad thing that's happened to me, I poured into the cob and made a beautiful house for somebody. So I did that. Um, And then I ran out of Portugal because their borders were shutting down. So that Christmas I had to get back to the States or face possibly being stuck in Portugal until further notice. So I went home and then I moved to Jamaica in January. And I So you were still abroad at that time. You were. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you a personal question. Financially, were you living off your savings? Were you getting like pandemic unemployment? Like how were you doing your 
sabbatical, yeah. your journey. <laughs> I was yeah, I was living off my savings because being international, you don't really qualify for anybody's unemployment. Like I've always maintained my Georgia license and I have a storage space in Georgia and stuff like that. Um, but Georgia was like, no, mm-hmm. <laughs> like we'll give you food stamps, but we will not give you unemployment because you did okay. not lose your job here. Mm-hmm. You know, so I was like, oh, okay. Um, but I basically put myself on a, like a new teacher budget Mm -hmm. and I gave myself a a stipend every quarter and I lived on it, (laughs) you know, and in Jamaica, I worked for my housing. So Mm -hmm. I was, um, supposed to be the yoga teacher at this retreat center, but it turned out that I was like the manager and the, and the yoga teacher. Mm -hmm. So now I'm at the end of, uh the end of my uh sabbatical and money <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you could have took a sabbatical at any time why did this particular True. cultural traumatic event or series of events cause your freedom and then what are you thinking right now okay I think that um in in some way I just uh let me think huh I think that knowing that life could change at any given moment intellectually is different than life changing at any given moment. So of course I've always believed that, um, but when the pandemic hit and those changes were so huge and impersonal, it didn't matter if you were rich or what color you were, you were going through it too. And I think it just made me fearless. Like, if this is what the reality is, I can't do worse. You better live your best life in a way you never have. And the only people who were winning were the ones who weren't scared. And I love that when I asked you that question, you paused. Had you really thought about it? I mean, I know you're a deep thinker anyway, but had you really thought about why (laughs) am I doing this now? Um, I thought about it more in terms of survival than choices. So, yeah. Yeah, interesting. For sure. And so where are you now? What is your, have you made a decision on what you're going to do next? Or are you in the contemplation stage? Where are you? Um, I do want to go back in the classroom. I miss it. Um, and that's just because I know my, I'm one of the five-year retirement plan, which is what I've been saying. Um, and I want to have property where I can have space for a retreat center to help people um, in holistic ways. And I know I want to leave the country again, one, because I've gotten to appreciate um, how you don't have to work your soul to death. And so I want to go back and my financial goals are what is guiding that first mm-hmm. and my love for international education second. Um, so I'm really putting one foot in front of the other. The The only thing I can say is like, you know, uh, like my daughter said, oh yeah, this is you mommy. And it was a meme that said, uh, what you gonna do? And the bottom says, I'm gonna cry and boss up. And so <laughs> that's me. <laughs> that is such a perfect statement. So I, I am going to, I'm going to cry and boss up. That, that's that's it in a nutshell right there. <laughs> And what I really love is that you are still dreaming and healing at the same time. And Mm -hmm, that is 
That's remarkable. And I do have to say, you know, the kind of coach I am, I have to feel the vibe of the person. And really, I do and can sense and see people in their calling, in their place, wherever they are or to be. I have another thing that I do with people. And I this is my favorite thing to do. And it scares the you know what out of some people. Because okay. in 28, 8, 9, and 10, I did a radio show called The Kim Betty Show. And I had people come on air to be life coached. I had everything from the first Black Miss um, USA to Monica Morgan, the photographer. I don't know if you've ever seen her. And her. I love her work. Yeah. Uh-huh. She came on there and she did um, Dust Yourself Off and Start Again. There's something about that. Like, you now know that when you declared what you said on the podcast, like, it's going out in the world. You know what I mean? Like, on the world, as my mama would say, the world wide web. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I was thinking if you wanted, if you were willing, I'll help you let me coach you and you share your sessions with the world that we get to be beacons of light and hope for others every time I share this with somebody they're like girl I feel the same way or they're like you know my cousin's going through the same like there's no one who's like I don't know what you mean I don't know what does that scare you I don't want to fail in front of everybody if the only reason you are hesitant is because I don't want to fail in front of everybody Mm. then I would say then that's the absolute reason to do it right yeah no I feel like I feel like it's scary because it's the right step in the right direction um I feel like I need help bridging this gap between being a dedicated and faithful employee to being a dedicated and faithful employee who's also the owner you know and so I yeah it's scary but it's good scary nervous and excited (laughs) let's do it Listening to Lorena was when I had my big aha moment that I was waiting for, really to get to the root of the matter, you know, the root cause of what's going on. And I heard her say a few things that were profound. First of all, and many of us can identify that with this, the reality and the experience of being locked down. You know, I can remember when I went to Target and I saw, you know, uh, military with guns and things like guarding Target and then just putting on a mask and what kind of mask and Googling that and figuring out how to go to the grocery store and get your food and find toilet paper and find paper towel, you know, big deal. And then let alone the impact of being either furloughed or scared to go to work or for her, it was where she was located and, you know, not wanting to have that kind of restriction and, Um, Many people lost a loved one during the pandemic and it might have been due to COVID or simply during the pandemic. So you might have had thoughts about why it happened. You may have had to, you know, couldn't be with your loved one at the time, couldn't have normal uh, funerals and memorials. But one of the things that stood out for me for the most for her was when she said, you can leave your job and be all right. And then she said some very profound things that knowing life can change at any moment made me fearless. I can't do worse. And she said to herself, you better live your best life. She said the only people winning were the ones that were not scared. She also had to ponder and think like she had been making all these boss moves. 
but she hadn't really stopped to think about why, why she was making those moves. And when she said, I thought about it in terms of surviving, that's when it really hit me. This is about people really having like a survivor's mentality, like people who survive plane crashes or survive 9-11 or survive uh, the descendants of slavery or Holocaust. Like this is a new mentality that I'm here to say is not going to go away. And let me give you the definition of that, give everyone the definition of survivor mentality. And I love this particular definition. It's from First Responder Wellness by Simple Recovery. It's a blog. And they say, so think about it from a first responder perspective. And they say, a survivor mentality is a frame of mind that promotes self-empowerment and a person's ability to overcome a traumatic event, focusing on the ability to survive rather than being a victim. This helps you prevail over life's challenges instead of being held back or defined by them. Here's the bottom line. It reminded me of I'm a Survivor by Destiny Child. You know, this was from uh, their third album titled Survivor. And these words just sent chills up and down my spine. You thought I couldn't breathe without you, I'm inhaling. You thought I couldn't see without you, perfect vision. You thought I couldn't last without you, but I'm lasting. You thought I would die without you, but I'm living. So when Lorena says, I can leave my job and be all right, that's changed the game. It's changed the game.